Hello, this is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. I hope you're having a great day, and welcome to the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. So, the final report into the claims of sexual misconduct by Ravi Zacharias has come out. And while we don't have his side of the story, unfortunately, there is enough material to conclusively prove he was complicit in abuse and misconduct. I would urge you to read the whole report for yourself, just so you are informed. It's no use burying your head in the sand. Ravi wasn't the first high-profile Christian thought leader to be found behaving badly, and he won't be the last. But we do need to make ourselves aware of high-profile people using their power and authority to abuse others, especially those who are vulnerable. Yes, this was abuse. There's no bones about it. Not just abuse, but also manipulation, secrecy, and control exactly what cults do. I applaud the willingness by RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, to engage an independent firm to conduct an independent investigation and for releasing that report. My advice to them would be to now drop the RZ from RZIM and make a new start. RZIM was built off the public profile of RZ, and now we know RZ was a creep. I'm now going to comment on certain aspects of the report. Employment and corporate practices. The fact that the two spas he allegedly co-owned hired very few, if any, therapists with proper training or qualifications is damning enough in itself. If indeed he did own the massage therapy places, it really does read like he set up massage therapy businesses simply to make a cynical dollar. Set up a massage therapy place, hire low-skilled and unlicensed people, pay the minimum wage, done. To quote the report, we refer to all of them as therapists or massage therapists, Although, as this report reveals, not all of the individuals who provided Mrs. Zacharias with massage services were trained and licensed therapists. And, one spa he frequented was closed down, and its owner's massage therapy license revoked for hiring unlicensed therapists. To to further quote the report, Mr. Zacharias is not listed on incorporation documents filed with the Georgia Secretary of State for either company, and he did not appear to have any role in managing the day-to-day operations of the spas. He told one massage therapist he was a silent investor in both spas. Which means Ravi was lying to someone. Either he was lying to the massage therapist when he said he was a silent investor, or he was lying to the government when his name somehow did not get listed on any of the corporate paperwork filed for the businesses. To me, this is a cynical ploy to take the credit but deflect responsibility. I'm the famous man of God, and when things are going well, look at the money I'm secretly making. But if things go wrong, I know nothing. 
Interactions with Therapists. The report notes that while he was professional with numerous massage therapists, there were a number of them who he took advantage of, or definitely attempted to take advantage of. To quote the report, Several massage therapists confirm Mr. Zacharias's frequent attempts to try for more than a massage, as one therapist put it. Eight therapists reported that Mrs. Zacharias would start the massage either completely nude or would remove the sheets during the massage. Six therapists reported that he always or almost always had an erection during the massage. Four reported that he would either touch his genitals or ask them to touch his genitals. And five therapists reported that he touched or rubbed them inappropriately. But what is concerning is that he played off of his reputation and his charm to get people to drop their defences. To further quote the report, Aspects of Mrs. Zacharias' behaviour towards this witness were similar to his conduct with other therapists, specifically the use of ministry funds to provide financial support, the effort to elicit personal information about a difficult past, and Mrs. Zacharias' use of religious language during their encounters. She reported that after he arranged for the ministry to provide her with financial support, he required sex from her. According to this witness, Mrs. Zacharias used religious expression to gain compliance, as she was raised to be a person of faith. She reported that he made her pray with him to thank God for the opportunity they both received. The therapist he reportedly targeted for more than a massage discussed a similar modus operandi of building their trust and making them feel at ease. As one put it, he wasn't frisky initially. Some therapists described a process that began with probing conversation and him asking about their families and backgrounds, often delving into deeply personal issues such as financial struggles or emotionally broken backgrounds. Another therapist also refused when he asked her to go lower and massage closer to his genitals, and she admonished him on several occasions when he would start touching himself. He asked the same person to travel overseas and massage him on trips, but she was not comfortable with him and was afraid she would not be able to afford a plane ticket home if she felt the need to return early. This man is not creepy at all, no. You have to remember that Ravi is effectively their boss. If his reported words to the therapist are to be believed, as an investor, he wields a form of authority. The next part of the report that I want to cover is about secretive trips to Asia. The report notes that Ravi would travel to Asia, often alone, where he would write books by day and get treatment on his back at night. To quote the report, In addition to finding alone time when he travelled with others, Mrs. Zacharias travelled alone to Bangkok and other parts of Southeast, Southeast Asia for substantial periods of time. RZIM staff described these as writing trips, where he would work on his latest book. On such trips, he would stay for days and sometimes weeks alone. According to a text message to a Thai masseuse in February 2016, he spent his days writing and his nights receiving massage therapy. We also learned that for several years, Mrs. Zacharias owned two apartments in Bangkok. Between 2010 and 2014, he spent a total of 256 days in one of these apartments. The other apartment, in the same building but on a different floor, housed one of his massage therapists. An entry on Mr. Zacharias's phone for the lower floor unit includes this massage therapist's initials. Why travel to Southeast Asia to write a book and get massage therapy 
when you could easily find solitude in places much closer to home and find licensed professionals to do the job. To me, there is no way that he's spending long periods of time alone in one of the hotspots of Asian sex tourism and not having illicit sex. The next part I want to discuss, financial secrets. On top of his two apartments, one of which was used to house his personal masseuse, was this. Between 2010 and 2014, he spent a total of 256 days in one of these apartments and sought rent reimbursement from RZIM for those stays. Now, I think it's a bit cynical to seek money from your company to stay in places that you already own. The only way I would excuse this is as a tax dodge, but otherwise it comes across as being cynical and greedy. We also come to his slush fund. To quote the report, Mr. Zacharias also used his ministry to financially support some of his long-term therapists. According to a description in the notes application of one of Mr. Zacharias's phones, Touch of Hope, T-O-H, was a humanitarian effort on the part of RZIM meeting short-term needs for long-term gains. We learned it was a purely discretional fund and no clear guidelines governing how much money would be granted. In reviewing documents provided by RZIM, we noticed that a significant portion of the Y payments from that fun- fund went to or for the benefit of four women, all who, all of whom were at times were Mr. Zacharias's massage therapists. Each of these four women received monthly support from TOH for extended periods of time. End quote. This now raises a valid question. When an ordinary person donates to a famous or even not so famous Christian ministry, I think we now have a right to know what percentage of that money goes to hush money, discretionary spending on women who do the famous preacher sexual favours, money to reimburse someone for staying in properties they already own, etc. Now, in Australia, we have what is called the Charities and Not-for-Profits Commission, CNC, in which every organisation that wants a tax break for charitable or religious purposes has to submit yearly reports, much like a corporation does. Maybe the US needs something like that as well. On top of that, we have photos of women. The report also notes that Ravi had been sent images of numerous photos of women by those women on his multiple electronic devices, which stored photos of those women in various states of undress. Now, if those women willingly and knowingly did so, send photos of themselves to him, then this isn't a big problem. Sexual communication between two willing participants is not a moral crime in itself. The downside of this is that I really don't want to think about Rafi Zacharias sending his own nudes in return. The mental image of wrinkly preacher Dick turns me off from my lunch. The only saving grace is that cameras on phones 10 years ago weren't as sharp as they are now. So at least it's not 4K high definition HDR photos of wrinkly preacher Dick. But what I suspect is that he manipulated numerous women into sending those compromising photos of themselves, using that veneer of charm, confidence, security, and safety that he is known for. This is when it becomes a moral crime.
which leads on to the next part. Use of the veneer of respectability and passive aggression to deflect criticism. To me, the most egregious violation of ethics is highlighted by these lines of the report. Quote, A high-level RZIM staff member expressed concerns to Mrs. Zacharias about it and encouraged him to stop travelling with her. In response, Mr. Zacharias grew angry and barely spoke to the staff member for a long period of time. He was, effectively, sent to Siberia, as another staff member recalled. Their relationship never fully recovered. Then we come to this. Several RZIM staff reported to us his shifting narrative, as emails and other relevant facts were publicly leaked and he was forced to explain them. Rather than fostering an environment of truth-seeking and transparency, Mrs. Zacharias was strident and inflammatory. He described his critics as nasty people and lunatics who were engaging in satanic-type slander and falsehood. Some RZIM staff told us that he expressed frustration with having to issue an apology at all. He was able to convince many that not only was he innocent, he was the victim of malicious evil. At an all-staff virtual meeting in in January 2018, after significant details of the Thompson communications had been made public, Mr. Zacharias offered explanations that many staff members found nonsensical. But some staff members reported to us that when they expressed doubts about Mrs. Zacharias' story, they were ignored, marginalised, and accused of disloyalty. We also have this. Another former RZIM staff member reported similar treatment from Mr. Zacharias when he raised questions about Mr. Zacharias' conduct in and solo travel to Asia. As a result, he was demonized by Mr. Zacharias, who accused him of spreading rumors. Then we also have this. Mr. Zacharias' response to the Thompson allegations, including explanations of his emails with Ms. Thompson that surfaced on the internet, raised questions about his credibility. We interviewed witnesses within RZIM who were not satisfied with Mr. Zacharias' explanations, and some reported their belief that they were marginalised for raising questions. So, all in all, to me, Ravi clearly used his power in the form of manipulation, ostracization, and demonization in order to deflect criticism. And furthermore, his own staff only found out about the incriminating information via leaks. Because this is how cults work. Control information. Come down hard on people who even dare to criticize the great leader. Selectively ostracize. It's interesting to note that Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew said, If you are at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar, be reconciled to your brother, and then come back and offer your gift. It seems seems Ravi had a selective memory. I was also quite taken aback by this as well. In response, Mr. Zacharias sued the Thompsons in federal court for extortion under the Federal Racketeer Influence and Corruption Organization, RICO, statute on July 31st, 2017. The Thompsons and Mrs. Zacharias mediated and confidentially resolved their disputes in late fall 2017. The result reportedly included a non-disclosure agreement, end quote. 
Ravi Zacharias, a man who represents God to the world and who trades off his reputation as a righteous man, sued a woman who he manipulated into sending nude photos to him under legislation meant to tackle organised crime and drug cartels. Rico has been used to charge the Hells Angels, the Gambino crime family, and even FIFA. And now this man used Rico to effectively persecute a woman who did his own bidding for the crime of making known that she wasn't going to cop his manipulation anymore. This man is a slimeball. So I would urge you to look up the report for yourself. It's quite easily available on on the internet. I may even leave a link somewhere for it. But yeah, my advice, now, if anyone from RZIM ever bothers to hear this, my sincere advice to them would be to drop the RZ from RZIM. Thank you for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.